Today's guest is an amazing human. She has a new book, but also a brand new podcast for teens. And she doesn't talk about it in the interview because it just came out this week. After the show, I'll remind you, you need to check out Simple Acts, Big Impact. Keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am excited to welcome back Natalie Silverstein. I am so glad you're here. Welcome, Natalie. Christy, thank you so much for having me back on. It is such a pleasure. I've I've actually revisited several folks, several podcasts that I um, had interviewed with in my first round with my first book three years ago, and I feel like we've lived a lifetime since then. And I just love coming back together. And I've been loving, you know, just following you and your messaging. I just think what you do is so special and so important. Your community is so lucky to have you. Oh, wow. This was amazing to start off with this. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. I just, you, you make me, every time I see you post something, it makes me breathe deeper and take a moment to calm myself. And I think that that is such an important uh, skill that you are, I think, sharing um, with all of your listeners and the folks who follow you. So it's a pleasure to be with you again. I am so glad to have you back because we get to talk about giving and helping Mm -hmm. our kids give. The last time you were on here, you were here for your book, Simple Acts, about the family, right? What's the title of that book? Because I know I'm going to mess it up all the way. So it's Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back. And this new one, which just launched in July, is Simple Acts, The Busy Teens Guide to Making a Difference. A little bit different there, um, but it's same concept. Um, and it's certainly structured very similarly in terms of the book being a guidebook, mm-hmm. really prescriptive, you know, just having lists and ideas and suggestions and resources and links. Um, and so it's a very actionable book, which is how I, I wanted to approach it. But this one, interestingly, is written for teens, whereas the other book was written for parents, because obviously it was for young children. So I expected parents to read it and incorporate this work into mm-hmm. how they were raising young families. Families. Um, this book I had to write directly to and for teens, understanding, I think, as you and I both can um, agree, probably parents and caregivers are going to be the one purchasing the book or mentors, coaches, after right. school professionals, educators, librarians, um, people who run community service clubs, people who run after school programs that in- incorporate service, boys and girls clubs, boys and girl, the boy and girl scouts. Um, however, the goal of the book was to write it for teens to read which was hard because as you can imagine, I didn't want to be like naggy and preachy. I figure teens have enough people telling them what to do. Yes, they do. (laughs) And they don't need another mom telling them what to do. So that was, that was a little bit of a challenge. Did your own kids read this book to see if you got the tone right? Cause you're a mom of multiple teens. I am actually one is 21. So I wouldn't call her. A teen yeah. Anymore. She's, she's grown past it. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. No, she's a, she's an, she's an adult. Although it's interesting. I just took a class this summer and it was for, um, emerging adulthood. I just want to put this little, oh, side yeah. note. I don't know if, I don't know if your listeners are aware of this, but, um, 
some psychological circles are calling 19 to about 23 or 24 uh, emerging adulthood such that they're no longer teenagers, obviously, Mm -hmm. but they're not full-fledged adults because as we know, the frontal lobe doesn't completely form until you're like 25. Isn't it shocking? I know, I know. (laughs) I think of all the decisions I made before that was done. (laughs) Right. And also I think, you know, I come from a family where my mom, my parents were immigrants. My mom was married at 17. She had her first child at 18. So by the time she was my daughter's age, 21, she already had two children and she'd been married for like four years. So I don't know. It's funny um, that we've recategorized this, but I was pretty much an adult when I was 21. But yes, um, I have these three kids, 21, 19, and 14. She's legitimately a teen. They did not read the book in its entirety. I think that's sort of funny. Um, It's (laughs) it's the, you know, like the cobbler's children have no shoes, right? Absolutely. Um, That being said, they heard me say all of this stuff. And I and I share a lot of the stories about the work that we've all done as a family. So um, and they're, you know, obviously very proud of that. But it's funny. I went recently to a book um, event for a woman who wrote a fictional book. And she asked her sons to read it during the pandemic after she wrote it. And she paid them a hundred dollars each to read it. I was gonna say I my thought, kids don't listen to my podcast either even if it's like right. a topic that's mostly for them right for the exactly. age group well I just think that's you know that's just the nature uh-huh. of families but um in terms of the tone I really wanted it to be like I was a friend or yeah. a mentor to these teens again the preachiness and the telling them what to do and why it's good for you and why you should do it all the shoulds we need to get rid of the shoulds. Yes. And I think that teens don't respond to that very well. And what I also wanted to do was educate them. There are several chapters in here, one of which is about sort of mandatory service hours. Yep. And I know that's something we wanted to talk about because if this comes out right when school is starting yep. again. And I wanted to just under, have them understand the difference between sort of mandatory hours. It is called, you know, uh, don't count the hours, make the hours count. But I also define in there the difference between community service, which is sort of service outside of Mm -hmm. your school environment, outside of the home, and service learning, which, as you know, is an academic um, phrase in (laughs) in that uh, suggests that there's part of the curriculum that is service-based, meaning you're studying something in biology, then you're studying it in history, then you're reading a book about it in English, and then you're going to go out and do a service project. So it tries to make a thread a through line throughout Mm -hmm. the entire curriculum that then leads to some sort of service in your community. So I wanted to define those terms for teens because I think that's important for them to understand because they're probably thinking like, oh, we're getting this in school and we're getting it after school and they're telling us we need to do these hours. And and again, I want to flip the narrative. I don't want teens to feel pressured and, and to have this put upon them, to have a piece of paper that they must run yep. around and do hours. Get all the signatures the from. <laughs> right. Sign here. Sign. Check the box. Check the box. That's the last thing that I want. I want it to be a mindset shift such that this is work that speaks to their passions, to their interests, to their gifts and talents and skills, because everyone has those. Absolutely. And to the issues that they care about. Because if they find a project or a volunteer opportunity that speaks to their concerns and their the things they're curious about and worried about and ways that they can apply their their individual's gifts and they can have a great experience, they're going to want to do it and they're going to want to keep doing it long term. 
Yeah. And it's going to domino and change their life in ways that they can't imagine. Totally. totally. So let's back up here. So what is service learning? Because I know as a parent that's stepping into the high school world, right? These are terms (laughs) that my kids might get thrown at them that I don't understand either. So can you explain the difference between these two? You bet. So community service is just what it sounds like. And that's kind of an antiquated term, but that's really um, if your child is required to do service hours or community service hours, if there is a community service club at your school, mm-hmm. if you um, in my in my son's school and uh, the school that my daughter will be attending for high school, they actually give the entire upper school a day off in the fall and in the spring where they go out and do service as a school and they split the class into different um, groups because you obviously can't have hundreds of kids descending on a nonprofit. (laughs) But that is a service day that is sponsored by their high school. And so that's community service. Service learning, as I said, is really more about this academic um, theory, which is that if you teach a concept in multiple different disciplines, Mm -hmm. the kids are going to understand it better. So if we're talking about, let's call it um, an example I gave in the book is, you know, pollution in your local river. Yeah. Okay. So you could talk about that in biology. You could actually go down to the river and take samples of the water. The kids could analyze what is the pollution, what's Mm -hmm. in the water, how does that impact the wildlife in the water? So that's something they could study in science, let's Mm -hmm. say. Then they could read a book about this or watch a movie and Mm -hmm. and talk about it in English class, let's call it. Then they might talk about it in history and say, okay, well, why is this river polluted? Huh, there was a factory that used to use the water Mm -hmm. from this river to to run the factory, and all of the waste from this factory used to go into this river. So now this river is polluted because of the history of our town, which feeds into the Industrial Revolution. Right, and ties all the spider web. All that together. And then, um, I don't know, then they could maybe even do something in art. Let's say, um, you know, they they could do a painting of what the polluted river looks like and what a clean river might look like. I mean, pretty much every discipline every um even math i mean i'm, I'm oh you know, yeah i'm sure there's every yeah. single subject could touch on this topic and again this is an academic um decision that your right. school or your school system would need to make to incorporate this in and then at the end of the day after all this study perhaps they could as a school as a class go out and do service where they clean up the river where they meet with an organization that does river cleanup etc so it's it's tying the service piece the sort of civics yeah. piece to um and social justice really to these other academic subjects that the kids are already studying. Gotcha. And, but those decisions, whether or not that's the way your school approaches a topic, that's nothing that you as a parent necessarily, unless you're on the school right. board, or that the kids can control. So yeah, I just wanted kids to understand that if they go to school and see that there's this topic that's coming up over and over and over mm-hmm. again, and then at the end of it, we're going to do this service project. I think it's a really powerful way, though, to have kids internalize all of the different aspects of climate change, of homelessness, mm-hmm. of hung- hunger, you know, right. Hunger. These I mean, really big topics. Big, big. And that's what it does, right? It takes this enormous issue and it breaks it down into its individual pieces. And I think then that becomes a little more digestible and a little easier for kids to grasp and to understand, you know, some of these subjects, you know, even hunger, 
You can talk about farming. You can talk about the change, our climate change, Absolutely. how that's impacting our food production. You can talk about, you know, um, transportation, gasoline prices, how that impacts the ability of food to get to your table. All of these things impact hunger. And it, hunger is such a difficult topic to wrap your brain around. You could see kids being like, or teens being like, well, there's just nothing I can do about that. Correct. That's impossible to wrap my brain around. And that's what service, that's what service learning tries to okay. do. Um, but community service is just, you know, again, what we've always talked about, which is yeah. getting out there, volunteering, getting your hands dirty and doing in person, um, you know, direct service, which is what I've always mm-hmm. talked about, really. Um, of course, over the pandemic, uh, because we couldn't volunteer in our communities most of the time. Right. We had to shift to a lot of virtual volunteerism. I, you know, that subject that I like to call kitchen table kindness. Yeah. Those things really took off over the pandemic and everyone's, you know, baking cookies and making blankets and knitting hats and all those wonderful things that people did because, we all wanted to help somehow, but right. we didn't know. We didn't know how. We didn't know how. So when when kids are doing this and parents are finding ways to give back, or maybe they have a requirement for their kids, right? Mm. Either religious um, requirements for different religious yep. events, or or it is a school requirement. I know that my the high school my kids go to used to have a service requirement attached to it, but now. It's an honor if you get it versus like a requirement is how they've shifted it. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's interesting because I do talk in that chapter about how some people view, um, mandatory requirements as being sort of unethical. Um, it's almost like servitude, you know, that you're forcing someone to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily want to do. Well, first of all, I just want to point out, we force our kids to do lots all of the time. Like that's just teeth. part of being a human, right? right? Taking a shower and brushing their teeth and doing their homework. However, I think there have been some studies done and anecdotally, I think if there is a requirement and a, and a child a teen is required to check the box and have a certain number of hours in order to vol- in order to graduate which is typically how that's done um, what that does is exposes them to the need to get out there and do it mm-hmm. what my hope is and the way I'm trying to flip that narrative is okay you're required to do some service unless they tell you exactly where you have to go uh-huh. and dig that dig that ditch yeah but if they say to you you can do anything you want on on the planet as long as it, you know, fulfills some number of hours right. or whatever, that's that's the important piece where we as parents and caregivers and mentors and coaches can say, okay, you're required to do 10 hours, let's call it. Yeah. What are those 10? How can we make those 10 hours meaningful? How can we make them count? How can we make it such that you love that work so much that you're going to continue to do it beyond the 10 hours? Yeah. And that gets to this issue that I talk about in another chapter, yep. which is sort of analyzing, it's like a self-assessment for teens. You know, what are the issues I care about? Is it homelessness? Is it hunger? Is it child education? Is there mm-hmm. a health-related cause that I care about? Is it the environment? Okay, now that's what, I, that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm curious about. Now, here, here are my strengths and my skills and the things that I'm good at yeah. and the things I love to do. And I really love to tie this work to things that kids enjoy doing mm-hmm. because it, guess what? If they enjoy doing it, they're going to want to do it. Right. Um, You know, again, digging the ditch versus maybe playing basketball, which is something they love to do and they could do with young children and mentor young children. So there's an issue that you care about. There's your skills and your gifts and your strengths. And then how do you marry those two things 
And then how do you find an organization? And that might require a little bit of help from an adult or, right. you know, a, a database or a, an educator to say, oh, there's an organization yeah. that mentors young people and helps them with basketball skills after school. These are kids who don't have anyone to play with after school and maybe they need equipment and maybe you can do a fundraiser. So it's finding all those elements and then setting them up to volunteer for this organization where they can have fun, be with other kids who enjoy the same things. You know, it's just like anything else, right? Yeah. If a child is with other kids who enjoy the same things that they do, if they're doing something that they love to do, they're going to want to do it. And so those hours, those 10 hours will be gone, you know, check that box in a minute. Yeah. And then that the hope is that they will continue to do that work over time, over months, over years until they're adults and that they want to continue that work into, into the rest of their lives. So that's the sweet spot, right? It's not about checking, checking off right. the boxes. It's about finding things that speak to their passions. And as a parent, I really appreciated that checklist of ideas and things to like start the conversation because right. sometimes these passions or things that they're worried about are kind of hidden in our daily yes. lives. Like yes. I didn't totally. realize that this was the key concern for one of my kids. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like we can probably exactly. find a way to help with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's really the thing is having a conversation. I mean, you, I think you said that perfectly. It's not you saying, Oh, guess what we're going to do on Saturday afternoon? No. Yeah. Let I've tried that approach. Agency. Let's be honest. Right. Like I'm yeah. sure you have too. <laughs> and, and maybe it takes a little patience. Maybe it takes some time. Maybe it takes you having a meaningful conversation. Maybe it takes them going out and trying something and have it not be exactly great for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the right fit and coming back. And I think talking about it afterwards and really breaking it down, what did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? How could you do it differently? Is there another organization that we could maybe check out um, mm -hmm. that has a similar mission, but that would allow you to do the work slightly differently? Um, giving them some control, giving them some agency, right? That takes away this feeling of being pressured yeah. and put upon. And it's just another thing on their very full plate of things that they have to do because their plates are really full, right? Yes. Like teens right now are struggling. Tweens are yeah. struggling. There is a huge amount of pressure on these kids and, and they've lost some socialization skills in time. So yes. not only do they maybe have these requirements or we feel like they need to check these boxes so they can apply for college, right? And stand out. Right. Um, right. They're, they're not really steady on their feet all the way. No, no, exactly. And that was the goal of the book always was to bring down the volume, the pressure on teens to be change makers, to be the change you want to see in the world. Right. That we're counting on, we're counting on you to fix it. We screwed up the whole world. Now you got to fix it. Like, right. And there are some standout teens like Greta Thornburg, of right? Course, like there are some shining stars and you look at them and you're right. like, I'm not even like that as a grown up. So, exactly. but I'm my kids don't have that <laughs> filter and perspective to, to right. know that like not everyone expects everyone to right. be that way. Right. And that's, you know, the first chapter says, you know, how am I supposed to change the world when I have homework, my part-time job and basketball practice? And the answer to that question is you're not. Yeah. No one expects you to. It feels like people expect you to because you get a lot of those messages mm -hmm. like, oh, the youth are our future. We're really counting on you. Wow. 
that's a lot of pressure we lay it for somebody <laughs> right, who has to fill out an application and get a scholarship and do well on the SAT and keep their part-time job so they can pay for gas in their car and take care of their younger sibling and, and play sports at a high level and be on the Model UN. I mean, these poor kids, right? And yep. so this is just the world that we're living in. And so I wanted to take the temperature down on that a little bit yep. and just remind everybody, and this is the bottom line, bottom, bottom line for all of us. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You are not expected to finish the work. You are expected to start it. You are not expected to change the whole planet. You have to do one good thing every single day. What's one kind, generous thing I can do today? Even if that's holding the door for the person behind you so yes. it doesn't slam in their face. We we talked about this in our first conversation, yep. and that's the kind of role modeling you want to do with young children. It is exactly the same for teens. What is one good thing you can do today? You're shoveling the snow on your yard. Can you shovel a few feet further so that your elderly neighbor can get out? Or can you, if you're going to the grocery store for your mom, can you pick up a few things for the elderly neighbor who can't get out today? That is what I want everybody to internalize, that this is how we walk through the world. This is how we operate as a family, as a human being, because that is being a, a good member of society. A contributing member such that, you know, we're all in this together. Exactly. And that's the message we want to get through to our kids. Not that they are expected to change everything and to fix everything. <laughs> because that's daunting. That's daunting. Yeah. That's to, daunting. to just pause and notice the people around you, basically, right. to acknowledge that that other people are carrying things that you don't know about until right. you stop and ask. Yeah. And, and simple kindness. This is why this is, you know, this is the name of the books, like smiling at the person, using the person's name, you know, the, the gift and that, and again, this, the, the gift that you're giving with these tiny little ripples of goodness come back on you like yes. tenfold. And as soon as kids get a hit of that, as soon yeah. as people start to appreciate that when you do for others, you almost get more in return, right? Yeah. Um, was it Maya Angelou said, you know, giving liberates the soul of the giver. And, you know, I think that that's, that's absolutely true. And the research bears this out, obviously. So once our kids start to see that, you know, in action out yeah. in the world, I think they want to do it, you know, more and more and more. Um, and so I hope that as we start a new school year and we start a new school year, that's, you know, hopefully more normal mm-hmm. and, and kids can get back out there and, and, and volunteer in a meaningful way in their communities that they take a minute to say, instead of just checking the box and sticking the piece of paper in front of someone to right. sign it, that they say, what are the things that I could maybe do to make things a little bit better? We've, we've all just been through a really, really tough time. Uh, as individuals and as communities. Mm-hmm. And there is a role for everyone <laughs> in helping to repair. And I hope that they take a moment to find a thing that speaks to them so that they'll enjoy doing it and maybe recruit a friend to do it with them. That, yeah, that that would be ideal, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. let's show them that it's not just for the check in the box. Right. And, and right. to really take the time to allow themselves to feel that proud connection of when they finish the project, right? Like the project isn't finishing the number of hours Mm -hmm. necessarily, but like that connection you feel to this greater good, because that's what science shows, right? A hundred percent. And also that maybe they forget about the hours entirely. Let's hope so. (laughs) We all need to forget about hours and just, just forget it and do the work. 
do the hours. And at the end of the year, when you look at the sheet of paper, you're like, oh, I didn't do a one, 10 hours. I did a hundred hours. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and that's that expression, like find work that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, that is exactly the truth. And that's true for volunteer work as well. You, you hear this all the time for volunteers who have found their thing. You know, if they cook in a, in a soup kitchen and they just love cooking and they love serving food yeah. to people who are so grateful and who don't have, like, they go with like joy in their hearts and they prepare food. They make friends with all the volunteers mm-hmm. around them. And this is such an enriching thing. I know we know the science shows that adults who volunteer certainly are happier. They are healthier and they live longer. You know, the studies are shown for elderly people who are able to volunteer in their communities. They live longer and that's amazing. It's amazing. And so why is, you know, this is a gift. Why would we not want to give this gift to our kids? And there's so many ways when my young, my middle daughter and I were just talking the other day about like, there's a organization in my community that does lasagna dinners. You can just put on your name, right? I think it's a nationwide group. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like you can fit that into your high school schedule and bake a lasagna once a week or once a month. You're already baking a lasagna for your family. Right. Yeah. Like she loves to do that. I was like, this is a way. And then you can network and you can find other people and. And, and yeah. we just need a bigger net sometimes, too. We've moved since we've last talked. And so we're kind wow. of rebuilding those community yeah. connections. For and sure. giving is one of the ways that that I tried to, like, build that new neighborhood connections, right? Yes. Um, Well, for sure. So it's making friends. It's making connections with the other volunteers. It's understanding what the issues are in your community, mm -hmm. the new community that you're living in, and what impacts different people. Um, And, you know, as we've talked about many times, you know, this volunteering by definition and service by definition opens our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to the lived experience of other people who don't look like us and don't pray like us and don't live like us. And I, this is a, again, this is the only way to raise kids who are sort of grateful and grounded in their own lives and sort of in touch with their humanity Mm -hmm. that we're not all exactly the same. We're more alike than we are different. Doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. Everybody is the same on the inside and service provides this eye-opening, perspective-broadening opportunity um, that is kind of unmatched and unparalleled. I, I don't think teens and kids and families get those types of opportunities on a daily basis. Why? Because you go from your, you know, in, your academic environment to your church environment to your after-school environment to your family on the weekend to, you know, to your swim meet or wherever yeah. you go to the pool. Like everybody does their thing in their little silos. And then you never really branch out. That's just the truth. But but service, by definition, has you interact with all sorts of people, both the people who are receiving your goodness, the clients, yep. the guests of, of wherever you're working, and the other volunteers and the leadership of the organizations. So I think um, I think you're absolutely right. You move to a new community. I mean, step one in really understanding your new community and what makes it tick and what makes it special is connecting to nonprofit organizations that are helping the people there. And then, you know, it just, it broadens your horizons and it makes you feel more at home. It feels like, you know, this is why it's your home. It's, It's a place that you care enough about to want to volunteer and make it better. And one of the ways that I've um, been able to find those nonprofits, right, is social media. And I've found mm-hmm. that we talk about social media really negatively sometimes, especially when it comes to teens. Yes. But there is yeah. a way to use social media to 
to make good things happen. And your book touches about that a little bit. So can we talk about that? Yeah, no, that's a fun chapter that I kind of threw in there at the last minute because what occurred to me was I only follow positive accounts. I only follow nonprofit organizations and others who amplify positivity, goodness, you know, good stories, Mm -hmm. happy stories, kind stories, people promoting each other. There's this expression, we rise by lifting others, right? Right. So if I see an account of a person who spends their time, not just talking about themselves, not taking pictures of themselves all the time, but of saying, look at this amazing thing that my friend Christy did. Look at this amazing thing that this organization in my community is doing. Look at this volunteer work that I'm doing. Now that might sound sort of self-serving, like, look at me, I'm volunteering. But no, if you're volunteering somewhere and you're sharing what it is, what the work Mm -hmm. is and what is being accomplished and who is being helped and how that organization impacts X number of people, raises X number of dollars, has this, has this impact on your community. And you're amplifying that story by saying, I volunteered today and it was great. And this is what I did. Exactly. You would love it. You are encouraging, this is positive peer pressure, right? Absolutely. You're encouraging other people to look for that opportunity or maybe even to come and volunteer there themselves. Yes. Um, so I only follow these types of accounts because honestly, I don't need to follow celebrities who only care about how they look. I think that is very detrimental to our teens' mm-hmm. mental health. Obviously, we know this to be true for, especially for young girls. Um, Um, If we can just take a moment to amplify another story, a good story, um, someone doing good work in the world, um, if every person just amplified one of those every day, and by amplify, I mean repost, tag, comment, um, share, you know, in the comments, have other people come look at this, right? great place. I mean, the ripple effects of that would be huge. And so um, I'm not trying to be like cute and I don't want teens like rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> but the truth is the the studies show that you are a combination right. of what you look at, what you read, what you listen to, and the four or five people that you spend the most time with. And so I would suggest to you that if teens spend their time on TikToks and on YouTube and on um, listening to comedians who are snarky, and cynical and sarcastic and nasty. And, and that's the only thing that's kind of coming into their right. world. They are not going to be positive. They're not going to be hopeful. They're not going to be optimistic. They're not going to be kind to one another. And, and I think this has been shown to be true. If you show positive messages, yes. if you show kindness to people repeatedly over and over again, it makes them want to be that way too. So again, it's a positive peer pressure. I think social media has tremendous power to be this force for good if we choose to do that and if we choose to follow those things and not follow those other lousy things right there are really loud voices out there that don't feel good and then when i hit them or you know scroll through them hit them in my feed that i'm like ah but then when i see yeah when i see there's a couple people i follow that like bring their kids for meals on wheels delivery or like find other things i was like oh can I do that here? Can I find this? Right? Like I found an organization that works with foster parents here. Mm -hmm. I can help with that. Like I can connect these dots and then you're right. It feels selfish to share though. Like there's a spotlight on me. If I talk about how I'm volunteering, 
I and I, I I definitely want to kind of change the narrative on that because I think that you sharing that this is something that's important to you and special to you and that's that's about how you share it right. and how you phrase yeah, it. Yeah, there's whatever. a tone. I am great. You know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to find out about this organization. If you'd like to join me, I'm collecting coats mm-hmm. for this organization, or they're having a coat drive, or they're having a, this kind of drive, or right. they're doing a fundraiser. Like that's all for the good. Right. And it's not like look at me, look how nice mm-hmm. I am. No, I think on the, you know, the opposite of that, which is like, look at our teens. They're posting pictures of themselves on the beach in the bikini. Uh-huh. And this and that. I'm sorry, but if you post a picture of yourself doing service work and saying, look at this great thing I it's just true. did, won't you join me? I'm pretty sure that's a really good way of being self-serving. Yeah, you know? it's good. to You know, sometimes we just need someone else to help us reframe these things and right. uh, remind our kids like, Yes, we've taught you to be humble, but there are certain things you need to brag about. A hundred percent. And 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 these are things that you should. It's not that you're saying, oh, look at me. I'm just so great. You're actually <laughs> giving people information right. about a way that they can get involved, too. So it's, you know, this is the name of the organization. This is what they yep. do. I had a great experience there. If you want to ask me about it, terrific. Or, you know, another great way to do as opposed to picture, posting a picture of yourself or something is just taking a right. post from an organization that you care about. Yeah, pre And amplifying that. Just sharing it or putting it in your stories and saying, this is an organization that is great and I'm doing great work with them and and whatever. And that's, you know, again, we rise we rise by lifting yeah. others. You know, it is does it does not take anything. My light, my one candle's light is not diminished by lighting another Correct. candle, right? It takes nothing away from me to compliment you and to praise you and to talk about the great work that you're doing. In fact, it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's got this ripple, it has a it ripple. Grows. It absolutely has has a ripple effect, for sure. Excellent. So one of my favorite parts of your last book in this book is the kitchen table kindness Mm -hmm. ideas. Can we talk about that a little bit? Can you share an idea at all? Absolutely. So um, listen, the the pandemic made every act of kindness a kitchen table kindness (laughs) because nobody was leaving their homes. So that was pretty, pretty obvious. So kitchen table kindness in relation to the young children was really about, you know, those situations where um, nonprofits understandably would not allow five, six, seven, eight-year-olds right. into their facility to do packing of groceries or making of food. Right. It's how to be creative or, with those little kids. Right. You had to you had to be right. When you have little kids, it's it needs to be a little bit more um, it's harder to be hands-on. Teens obviously are allowed typically to go out and volunteer. I'd say between the ages of like 12 and 16, um, it, typically mm-hmm. you can either sign a release form or um, you know you you can accompany any of them, 16 and up, they're usually allowed to go by themselves. But if the only thing you can do is something at home for whatever reason, or you want to do um, things at home, I mean, there are any number of things. Teens who are a little older and kind of get this sort of stuff, they can start a petition online for an issue, a social justice issue in their community that they care about. They can find a politician um, and someone in their community who's doing work around a topic that they feel passionately about and they can support them in any number of ways. I promise you, (laughs) someone who's running for public office, even city council or something, would be would welcome an energetic teenager to come and stuff envelopes and and canvas and that sort of thing. Even if even if a teen can't vote, they can have an impact on the electorate. Another really neat thing is if your teen drives, they can't vote yet, but they can drive other people to the to the polling stations. Yeah. And as we know, it's it is hard for some folks to get to vote. Yeah, that access um, so, matters. 
It absolutely matters. And teens, I know a lot of teens who sign up to be to go to rural areas and to drive people to vote. Um, so there are lots of those types of things that you can do online, you know, from your home, that sort of thing. I, you know, I'm a big creative person. So my kids are bakers and they're sewers mm-hmm. and they're, bla- they're blanket makers. You know, these are wonderful things for kids to do in the middle of winter. Um, you know, instead of watching more television or whatever. Or while you know, you're watching kids, television for some of these things, right? Making Valentine's for our active duty military and our veterans. There's lots of efforts around that from like you know early January or so. Absolutely. In fact, I will just pause and throw it in that if anyone ever wants to write an active duty military letter, please just contact me and ask that of I course. have those I mean, connections. And it's and there are so many. Operation Gratitude, mm-hmm. you know, um, Soldiers Angels has a wonderful volunteer, you yep. know, uh, Valentine's program. You can write um, cards for hospitalized children. Yep. There are literally websites where you can write letters and cards and, and ship those off. Um, there are ways to, to use dry. If you're an artist, you can take some of your art and package that up and mm-hmm. send it to, you know, share a smile or whatever. I mean, there are, there are so many ways that the things that you're already doing in your home, if you're yes. creative or you're with a group of friends, um, you know, making fleece blankets for children in the hospital yep. or for animals in the shelter. You know, these are all the things that I call kitchen table kindness activities because there are things that maybe you you enjoy doing or that you could make a little, you know, a birthday party yep. activity around or, or something like that, a sleepover party. Um, and they're just nice things to be doing. It's not a, it's not all about that for the evening. Like you said, they're eating popcorn, they're eating mm-hmm. pizza, they're watching a movie, they're gossiping, whatever. But they can do these other things right. that at the end of the day, you package this up and you donate these yep, items. Yep, you can and easily I, make a fleece tie blanket while watching a uh, movie. A hundred percent. So I don't know. I think that those are also, you know, we are... Um, when our kids come home from school or they're, they're very stressed out from their lives, yeah. work and everything else, they come home and they tend to like zone out, right? It's a lot of TV or, mm-hmm. and we say, oh, it's, it's okay. They kind of need that break. I would suggest to you that that break could also be yes. drawing, making a card, yep. making a fleece blanket, baking, baking cookies that are individually wrapped and then donated, you know, the lasagna that I'm going to encourage my kid that to make. Mentioned. Yeah. There is a therapeutic, and again, for our mental health, as opposed to scrolling TikTok, yep. there is a therapeutic element to doing these things creatively. And then if it benefits someone else at the end of the day, you're not just eating the lasagna and the cookies yourself, that, you know, what a wonderful, you know, they've done this wonderful creative thing, they feel accomplished, and then they've given it to somebody who needed it. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what it's all about. That's the full circle experience we want for our teens mm-hmm. right now. We want yeah, them to learn yeah. healthy ways to manage their own pressure and stress. Correct. And and for a lot of us as adults, we know this, that giving back to others lowers our stress. A hundred percent. We are happier. We are healthier. We are more connected. We are less depressed less isolated. You know, the statistics are also very clear. The research is clear around, um, for teenagers in particular, teens who volunteer and even those who are considered at risk themselves right. have um, have better academic achievement, lower dropout rates, um, less risky behaviors, which are drug and alcohol mm-hmm. use, sexual activity, Teen pregnancy rates are lower among teens who volunteer. Teens who volunteer with other teens Mm -hmm. who do this kind of in a social way are more likely to continue to do it. And again, it gives them a sense of connection and friendship. They find like-minded friends doing this work. Um, 
by every measure. I, I, again, I don't think I need to convince your listeners that this is a good thing, yeah. but it's not just a nice thing or a good thing. It actually has social, physical, emotional, and mental health benefits. It's a powerful thing. It's not powerful. just, yeah. Yep. And it's a gift. It's a gift that we can give our teens who are really struggling. And I think who just need a little something. This is, again, it's not going to solve all of our problems. Right. By a long stretch, I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying it's one piece of the puzzle. It's one tool in your toolbox to say, let's get up off the couch. Let's stop looking at our phones. Let's do something good for somebody else because that by definition makes us feel better about ourselves. People who are struggling emotionally um, with, with mental mm-hmm. health challenges, it has been shown that if they take time to help someone else who is yeah. struggling... It makes them feel better about their situation, which makes sense. Instead of totally focusing on yourself, you kind of look outward and say, huh, there are others who are struggling too. There's so much connection there. You know, it's to not feel so alone in your pain and to to be needed, to have, you know, to be wanted and needed to feel like you've made a difference in the life of another person. Wow. I mean, you know, sometimes I think there's a sense of hopelessness. Like, I don't know. What do we I think there here? is. And I think there is in teen parenting, like parenting yeah. a teen that like there's this <laughs> normal disconnection that's happening between you and your kid as they're growing up. And this is also a way that you can sneak in there shoulder to shoulder with them. Yep. And and just have time together that might make you feel better as a mom in Absolutely. this moment, too. Absolutely. And you can talk about it afterwards and how it made you feel and how you think the folks that you impacted felt about the work that you did and what you might want to do differently in the future. I mean, this is all this kind of open lines of communication. Mm -hmm. So it's not nagging and fighting over the academics and cleaning up your room. This is like, let's go out and do something good and then feel really good about it afterwards. And then let's talk about it. Um, I, I just think it's, it's a powerful tool. And I don't know why you know, any parent wouldn't want to put this in your toolbox and just, you know, pull it out when, when times are tough. I'm so glad you wrote the sequel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I am I'm so glad you so reached out to me. Glad. It's a colorful I book. I love how it they is. did it. It's definitely teen friendly. I mean, it's definitely never going to be purchased directly by a teen. I think, I think you're right, <laughs> but, um, but it can you sit out <laughs> and we can like flip through it at the table and say, Hey, yeah. like, what can we do yeah. together? Yeah, absolutely. That's how I hope it's used. It's not meant to be read like cover to cover. It's meant to be sort of scanned. Mm-hmm. There are nice little graphics along the margins mm-hmm. that relate to the type of activity that it is. Is it fundraising? Is it research-based? Is it hands-on? Is it so that um, that kind of, if it, does it take time? Um, right. is it, you know, the, is there a financial resource? So, it, you know, they can literally scan through mm-hmm. and find the things that speak to them. Um, I just wanted to make it easy and actionable. And, and I hope it, you know, listen, if it inspires one person to get out there yeah. and try and make a difference in their community on an issue that they care about, then I, my job, my job is done. Well, I think it's going to do that. So good job. (laughs) But I have a question for you because I think part of this, right, the simple acts of giving to others um, also needs us to pause and reflect that we we can't pour from an empty cup, right? That's right. So how are you taking care of yourself? What's a self-care activity that you're doing right now, Natalie? Wow. 
That is a great question. So I've been reading a lot this year. I've been trying to read different voices and um, I made a goal for myself to read 22 books, most mostly fiction, but yeah. not necessarily. Um, I don't think you can be a good writer unless you're a reader. So I made a goal for 22 books in, in 2022 and I already surpassed it for Bravo. July July 1st. So I'm at like 25 books and I feel great about that. And the more I read, just I, I you know, again, good habits beget other yeah. good habits. Um, so I read a lot. I actually sew and I'm, you know, I use my creativity that way, which has been um, really wonderful. Um, but you know what? I also am trying really hard to spend time with friends. I feel like we've been so isolated and kind of disconnected from yep. friendships um, over these last two years. And even if, you know, once in a while, I just send out a text to someone I haven't spoken to in a while and then she'll write back and we'll have like a nice little yes. exchange. I just want to remind everyone that you know, check in on people. If you haven't heard from someone in a while and you were thinking of them, you know, just send them a little note um, because that goodness that you put out to them, they might really need to hear from somebody today. And then they respond to you and, and that feels so good. And, and, uh, and even if we can't see each other physically, you know, right. for whatever reason, um, I, I just, think it's important for us to stay connected to one another, especially in these kind of difficult times. And during transitions, you know, end of summer, kids going away to college, you know, check in on your friends whose kids are moving away. It's (laughs) it's tough. It's tough. Um, So that's just, that's what I do. I, I really make an effort to play cards with friends or yeah. go for coffee or go for lunch or whatever. Like, you know, really, um, what can we do? How can we get together? Let's put something on the calendar. Don't just say it, right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I'll call you. We'll get coffee. No. How no. about next Have Tuesday? a deadline. Right. <laughs> yeah. Set right. it in stone. You have three options. Here, here are three days I could do. Can you do any of those three days? Please. Um, I think that that's, and that also shows that you really care, that you really want to do that. Let's, let's be authentic, right? Like let's yeah. put that out there. And let's follow through because I think people want to be seen and they want to be heard and they don't want just like lip service. Like, Oh, I was thinking about, I'm thinking about you. Let's get together soon. Yeah. We're tired of the, the niceties, right? The platitudes. And we have all been through too much these last few years. We're not getting any younger. Let's make it, let's be real. Absolutely. So how are you having fun as a family? Wow. Well, my kids are kind of scattered. So my youngest is in, camp next week that was seven weeks um my oldest 21 years old has been working yeah Um, my middle it's a different season it's it's a different it's hard we at the end of the summer luckily we'll all be under one roof for a while so um we we didn't get to travel all together this summer just because everyone was so scattered but um you know we do we like to do little individual things so i'm going to drive cross country to take my son back to college and we'll make a few stops yay that'll be some nice one-on-one time for us and um i'm taking my two girls away I'm doing that with him. I'm taking my two girls away for a little girls weekend together. And, um, you know, just little things like that. I think um, since we haven't been together, I think just literally having meals and watching a movie together is going to be and spending time with our dog and and going to the beach and stuff is going to be so, so nice at the end of the summer before school and two of them go off to college. (laughs) All the boring, ordinary, all the boring, ordinary moments, right? That in their younger years, you were like probably rushing through to get through. And now you're like, let's slow down. Let's linger together. This is the fun here. This is the fun. This is the good stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, going to Disney and and running around to amusement parks and the water park and whatever. I think if nothing else, the pandemic has shown us like those things can be stripped away. And when you're stuck in the house together doing puzzles, right? (laughs) And watching the office and making sourdough bread and baking cookies. Yeah. 
this is this is what it is. This is what yeah. it is. To be Those things are a nice highlight reel once in a while, but they're not not the stuff that life is made of. Nope. And now that my kids are older, you know, that level of perspective is I'm grateful that we did all of that. And now I just want to spend time together, go for walks. You know, that's that's the good stuff. That's good to hear. I think another mm-hmm. younger mom needs to be needs to oh, hear that right now. Right. Those days are long. <laughs> yes, they sure are. And they go by fast. I don't need to say that. It's so yep. cliched. And I, I don't say that to women in Target. I don't say, oh, enjoy it because she's about to tear her hair out. And she doesn't. Oh, yeah. No, Target. it's hard. It's hard, but it gets easier and then it gets harder and then it gets easier again. It changes all the time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It never ends, you know, and, and as you say, you're the perfect mom for your kids and they're the perfect kids for you. And this is, you have each other Yep. and it's not always easy and it's not always smooth and pretty, but, um, but you're together. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, where can people best find you, Natalie? Well, I am on social media. Instagram is really my main platform. Yep. That's, um, but also on Facebook, it's at Simple Axe Guide. Okay. And luckily enough, that's also my website. So simpleaxeguide.com, which has links to both of the books, which of course can be purchased on Bookshop for independent booksellers yep. and Amazon and all the good things. I also do a lot of writing um, around parenting and grief and loss and things like that. And those, yes. are, those things are all there too. So uh, yes, at Simple Axe Guide and simpleaxeguide.com. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your light and and helping inspire other people to pass their own light around and to remind them that it's important to do and that it's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. So thank you. I'm so glad you're here on Earth. Thank you, Christy. Me too. You're the best. Thank you so much. Be well. You are exactly the right mom for your kids. I know it deep in my core and your kids are exactly the right kids for you. And if you need some more inspiration, Natalie's new podcast just launched this week and it's called Simple Acts, Big Impact, celebrating teen change makers. She's going to be interviewing tween and teen volunteers, fundraisers, activists, social entrepreneurs, and nonprofit founders who are making a meaningful difference in their communities. She hopes to really amplify and celebrate stories to inspire all of us, young people and adults to engage in service and to strive to make an impact on their community with those things that really matter to them. You can find this podcast everywhere you listen to Keep Calm and Mother On. Go look up Simple Acts, Big Impact. I am so glad you are here on earth. I hope you have a pretty good day. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.